want to preach the fourth point of the message I began last Sunday morning. As we talk about the Holy Spirit of God as our comforter, if you actually go back to chapter number 14, if you would, you remember there were four means by which the Spirit of God comforts uh, the believer as Jesus Christ is giving these uh, tokens of assurance and strength and comfort and promise to his disciples before they'll leave the upper room, go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He'll be taken there, of course, then tried and crucified. And he gives them four mentions of the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. Verse number 15 of chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. They don't acknowledge his existence, neither knoweth him. They don't experience him, obviously, because they've never been born again. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. You remember the word there is orphanos. I will not leave you as an orphan. Jesus said, through the Spirit of God, understood, I will come to you. And so through the Spirit of God, we are comforted uh, by his presence and even maintain fellowship and communion with the Lord Jesus Christ himself because of the presence of the Spirit of God. And that's one of the ways that we're comforted. You remember the word comfort, uh, the, the Greek word uh, paraklesis or parakletos, the idea of one called alongside of, like an advocate uh, to do for me what I cannot do for myself, to do for me what no one else can do for me. And so the Spirit of God comforts through his presence. And then go, if you would, to uh, chapter, chapter uh, 14 and verse number 26, a little further down the chapter. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, notice this, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. And the second way that the Holy Spirit of God comforts us is through the Scripture. Uh, as he teaches us, as he brings all things to the apostles' remembrance in the original writing of Scripture, and then now as he indwells the believer and uh, is our illuminator, our indwelling teacher, the Spirit of God comforts us. Remember Paul in Romans chapter number 15 said that these things that were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. How many of you can just testify you don't have to raise your hand, but you can testify to a time of darkness and difficulty in your life when you fled to the scriptures and the spirit of God comforted your heart through the Bible. And what a tremendous tool, a perfect tool has been given to us. I read in further preparation for the message tonight an illustration that Tony Evans used years ago about a believer who was a man who was a believer in Christ, was caught in a hotel fire and burned very badly, barely survived, uh, and in the process of the damage, he went blind and was a man who loved God's word, loved following Christ, but was brokenhearted because he would no longer be able to see to read the Bible. So he decided that even with the blindness and the scarring on his face and his hands and other parts of his body, that he was going to learn Braille so that he could read a Braille Bible. But he was all the more grieved, as you can imagine, when he found out that the tips of his hands, his fingers had been so burned that he didn't have enough sensitivity to be able to feel the dots to read Braille. He went on trying what the doctor's trying, other parts of his body. He tried the end of his nose. He tried his lips. None of those were sensitive enough. And finally, he figured out 
that his tongue was still sensitive enough that he could read and understand the Braille. And before that man went home to be with the Lord, he read the Bible three times with his tongue. Tremendous comfort in the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit comforts. The Comforter comforts by his presence. He comforts by his scriptures, by the scriptures. Uh, In chapter number 15, verse number 26, chapter number 15 and verse number 26, we saw a third way the Comforter comforts, comes alongside, advocates for us, does for us what we cannot do for ourselves and what no one else can do for us. He's our uh, attorney, if you would. Verse number 26 of John 15, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The idea there is, and John 16 would reiterate this, that he's going to not speak of himself, he's going to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. And another way that the Spirit of God comforts the heart of the believer is by testifying of Christ, by pointing us to Jesus Christ. It's as we're pointed to Jesus Christ that we're changed into his image. And it's when we are pointed to Jesus Christ and we see how he suffered that we can even draw strength in our own suffering as we are pointed to Christ. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 even spoke of the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. And so the Spirit of God comforts us by pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to notice a final means by which the Spirit of God comforts us. And I didn't want to pass this one by because this one was significant. I learned a lot in uh, meditating upon this. John chapter 16, and notice if you would verse number 6. Jesus says to his disciples as he's bringing his upper room discourse to a conclusion, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Again, those things that he's going away, he's going to leave them. Where he's going, they can't come. Because I've said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you. Uh, It's the idea of better or beneficial For you that I go away. Now try and put yourself in the disciples' minds. Do you think you would have a hard time processing that statement? Jesus telling the disciples, it's actually expedient, it's better for you, it's more beneficial for you that I go away. Why is that? For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, what's he going to do? He will reprove. And again, this is all in the context of Jesus demonstrating or telling the disciples that the Spirit of God is going to fulfill a comforting ministry to them. And so in that context, he says, it's, more, it's expedient for you that I go away. If I go away, I'll send the Comforter to you. And when he has come, verse 8, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. John chapter 12 and verse number 31, you don't need to turn there, but uh, Jesus speaks of the prince of the world there too, speaking of Satan, and through the work of the cross, Jesus said that the prince of this world shall be cast out. And here he makes a similar reference uh, that the Spirit of God is going to come, he's going to convince, reprove the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. 
And so I want us to notice a fourth means or way by which the Spirit of God comforts the believer's heart and our ministry, and that is by doing something we definitely cannot do, and that is convicting human hearts. If that was up to you and me, we would be in real trouble, wouldn't we? Okay. But the Spirit of God does this great work of convicting human hearts, and I want us to consider this truth this evening. Let's ask the Lord's help. Fathers, we consider this last point. I pray for your help, and I pray that it would be used, the thought of uh, this section here in John 16, verses 6 through 11, would be used to uh, challenge us, to encourage us, to bolster and strengthen us as witnesses, and those, Lord, who seek to be your representatives, as we tell others about the Lord Jesus, I thank you for the assurance that the Spirit of God goes before us and does a work in people's hearts and in the hearts of all in this world that we cannot even hope to do ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that we'd be strengthened and, in fact, comforted by these truths in this passage this evening. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we read in John 16 uh, that the Holy Spirit of God is our comforter, the one called alongside of us, doing what we cannot do for ourselves, and uh, in so doing, encouraging us, comforting us. He has this ministry of convicting human hearts or reproving uh, is the word that is before us. And uh, let, me, I, you know, let me mention this. I want to just touch on the fact that it's expedient for believers that Jesus went away. Because sometimes this question is raised in people's minds. How can that be? How many of you are looking forward to meeting Jesus face to face? Okay, me, me too. Okay, have you ever either heard someone say it or caught yourself saying Man, if I could have just lived back then. Okay. I will tell you this. We're living now and we are going to get to live in the future in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus meant what he said. And he had a good reason for saying it. Why were there benefits? Why are there benefits to Jesus going and the Holy Spirit of God coming? Let me just mention this before I list a number of benefits here. And, and that is this. This struck me. I was doing some further reading. I, had, was, I was taken aback by this. I had to do some thinking on it. One commentator I read made this point, that Jesus came offering the kingdom at his first coming. Mankind rejected it, and therefore the kingdom on earth has not been established yet. It will come. Right now it is unseen in the hearts of men, okay, but the, the kingdom will be established, but the nation of Israel rejected the king by crucifying him, and he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He made a legitimate offer, and Israel said no. Now, from a technical perspective, God at that point could have said, you know what, it was grace for me to send Jesus. You rejected him. I'm leaving you where you are. But listen... In grace, God sent the Spirit to continue the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and at a level that in a very real sense was beyond Jesus. Remember, Jesus was in the confines of a human body for the work of the incarnation. The Spirit of God as a spirit was not limited, if you would, by a body. So the Spirit coming, there was the attribute of omnipresence where he could, in his ministry, he could touch all human hearts at the same time. Okay. Now, I want you to get this. It was grace that sent the Spirit of God. 
Mankind did not deserve for the Spirit of God to be sent. I personally believe that's one of the reasons. You remember in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 29, the author of Hebrews referred to the Holy Spirit of God as the Spirit of grace. The Spirit of grace. And those believers in the book of Hebrews are warned not to do despite, not to insult the Spirit of grace because it's grace that He has come in the first place. Because mankind rejected the Lord Jesus, the king's offer. He went back to the right hand of the Father, but he sends the Spirit. Now, that being said, I want you to think about many of the benefits of his ascension. If Jesus had not gone to the right hand of the Father and sat down, we would have lost or never had the significance of his sitting down. You remember that in the Old Testament temple, there was no seat. And it was symbolic of the fact that the work was not accomplished. But when Jesus finished the work of redemption and ascended back to the right hand of the Father and sat down, his sitting down was symbolic of the fact that the work was finished, the work for redemption. We wouldn't have had that symbolism and all that that means. What is the Lord Jesus Christ doing at the right hand of the Father that he otherwise would not have been doing? The Bible tells us he sits at the right hand of the Father and ever lives to make intercession. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that it was in his ascending back to the right hand of the Father that the spiritual gifts were given to the local church. If he had never ascended, gifts could not have been given or would not have been given to the local church. If he had not gone back to heaven in the ascension, there would have been no assurance of his coming again that we all long for and look for. What's another thing that he's doing, according to John 14, doing in heaven right now? He is preparing a a place for us. In his Father's house are many mansions. And then here, if he had not gone, the Spirit would not have come. How crucial is the coming of the Spirit to the founding of the New Testament church? The empowering of the New Testament church. And so that would have been affected. The omnipresent Spirit can do and listen this is no this is no diminishing of the work of Christ Christ in the incarnation willingly limited himself to the confines of a human body and he did that and he is still in that body though now raised and glorified he did that for you and for me to show us in human flesh the love of God So we're not in any way diminishing, but get this, while Jesus was on earth, he was limited and limited himself to a tract of land about 100 miles north to south and 40 miles east to west. Okay, one theologian said it this way years ago, that in the incarnation, the Lord Jesus willfully limited himself of the independent use of his attributes in order to demonstrate submission to the Father. This is just theology, but get this. The Spirit of God comes as Jesus goes. The Spirit of God comes, and He, as a spirit, is not limited in that way. He is omnipresent, and get this. Theologically, He is everywhere. Okay. And that means He can touch any human heart of the seven billion that are now on the planet. That means that when you are discouraged... He can comfort you. 
and he can minister to another believer in a foreign country, in a third world country on the other side of the world, all at the same time. So his omnipresence gives him the ministry ability of a worldwide impact in human hearts. He, as the Spirit of God, is God in me. He is the divine teacher. So there are all of these benefits of the ascension. The word expedient that Jesus uses here when he tells the disciples, it's expedient for you that I go away. The word literally means bringing all the pieces together. Jesus had to go so that the Spirit could come so that all the pieces of God's plan could be brought together. Now, the Bible tells us that there is comfort provided for us that when the Spirit comes, He will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that is meant to comfort us in hearing that. The word reprove... Uh, is a word here that carries with it the idea of cross-examination. And so as the comforter, as the advocate, he cross-examines the human heart. The human heart in sin and unbelief is essentially against Christ in the courtroom of human thought, and the Spirit of God cross-examines the human heart. What are the three elements that he brings up when he cross-examines and seeks to convince? And by the way, there is here also the thought of hope. And that is this, is that as long as a human being lives and breathes, the Spirit of God is working on them and drawing them to Christ, and there is hope. Okay. And so it speaks of cross-examination. It speaks of the Spirit of God's desire and work to convince human hearts to recognize their sin, their need of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the opportunity to flee judgment to come. Now, the explanation that Jesus gives in verse number 8, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then he expands on those three areas where the Spirit of God is going to reprove or cross-examine human hearts. The first is the area of sin. Missing the mark of God's glory, God's perfection. He will convince or reprove the world of sin. And notice what he says, says, because they believe not on me. What is Jesus saying here? He's essentially saying this, that the sin for which a person is condemned and will be confined to hell for all eternity is the sin of unbelief person who does not believe in Jesus Christ, doesn't matter how moral they are, doesn't matter how earthly, morally righteous, religious they are, if they have not believed in Jesus Christ, that is sin enough for them to be condemned to hell. And the Spirit of God is working on the human heart to appoint them that opportunity to trust Christ as Savior. So he convinces the world of sin, but then also notice this, he reproves the world of righteousness. Why of righteousness? Why does the world, the human heart, need to be uh, convicted about righteousness, this matter of righteousness? Jesus said in verse number 10, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Jesus Christ is called the righteousness of God. In his ascension, he's going to be removed from earth. And so that day in and day out presence of righteousness 
in the human existence is going to be removed. And one of the things that the Spirit of God will do because of Christ being ascended to the right hand of the Father is he's going to be convincing men of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Also, how did the world view Christ when they crucified him? Did they view him as righteous or as a criminal? They viewed him as a criminal. The Spirit of God in convincing the world of righteousness as it relates to the Lord Jesus Christ is going to do this work of overturning man's verdict. Man, in condemning Christ and hanging him on a cross, pronounced him guilty. But the Spirit of God as the, as the comforter, as the advocate, is going to overturn, work to overturn that wrong verdict in the hearts and the minds of people. William Barclay, the commentator, told the story of years ago uh, in an Indian settlement in South America. A missionary was showing an early film of the Lord Jesus Christ's life and as the gospel was presented throughout the course of that film and then moved towards the crucifixion, he's casting this image on the side of a, of a stucco wall in the village square. And as he shows this video and it's built in people's hearts and the Spirit of God is working, the missionary reported that at the point that the, that the movie showed Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, that a man stood up right in the middle of all of the other people and shouted out in his Indian language, he shouted out, stop, take him down, I'm the one that deserves to be hanging there. The Spirit of God had been at work in a man's heart, overturning man's verdict and pressing home the verdict of the righteousness of Christ, though man crucified him as a criminal. He, in fact, is the righteousness of God. He is our substitute righteousness. Paul and uh, uh, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 would make the case that there are two kinds of righteousness, really, in this world. There's the righteousness which is of the law, Philippians 3. And then there's the righteousness which is of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And so the Spirit of God works in the human heart to drive home the substitutionary imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, that man was wrong in his verdict to crucify Christ. And how did God ultimately vindicate the Lord Jesus Christ in the hearts of men through the work of the Spirit? By raising Jesus Christ from the dead and sitting him down at the right hand of the Father, exalting him, as Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And so the Spirit of God in the area of sin, he reproves the world of sin, the sin of unbelief. He reproves the world of righteousness because Jesus has gone to the Father and man will not see him with the human eye anymore on earth. But then the Bible says here, the Spirit of God also reproves the world as it relates to judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The idea here is that the devil thought he won when Jesus died on the cross. But never could he have been more wrong, amen? And so he is now, the Bible tells us here, judged. The tense of the verb that is used here is a once-for-all judgment. In other words, there's never going to be a time when this judgment is rescinded. We could say it this way. The devil has been defeated. He has been tried and convicted 
indicted. He will soon be arraigned, and he is awaiting execution. He's as good as defeated. Now, he's a sore loser. But the Spirit of God works in people's hearts to make it clear that while the devil wants people to think that he is victorious, the devil work, or the Lord, the Spirit of God works in people's hearts to make it clear that the prince of this world, the devil, is judged and the judgment is already final. He's just wait, awaiting execution and you don't want to be on his side when time comes to an end. The Spirit of God works to drive these points home. Now, I will tell you this. The fact that the Spirit of God works in this way is a great comfort to me. Because He can talk to the human heart in ways that none of us can. He can work in the hearts of people in ways that none of us could even imagine to work in people's hearts. And so we learn to trust the Spirit of God We learn to pray that he will do his work in people's hearts. We learn to depend upon him and to not forget that we are the human mouthpiece that proclaims the gospel. And then the Spirit of God works in people's hearts. So, here is how I conclude tonight. If he comforts, and this is one of those if and he does, if he comforts by his presence then it is vital for us as his people to live in the awareness of his constant presence, that he is there. If he comforts by the scriptures, and he does, then it is vital for us to immerse ourselves in the word of God. You can't get too much of the blessed old book. If he comforts us by pointing us to Christ in order to change us and then even through uh, the fellowship of his sufferings comfort us in our own difficulties and trials, then it is vital for us as believers knowing that's how the Spirit of God works, pointing us to Christ. It's vital for us to consider him. It's vital for us to fix our gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's vital for us to turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. If the Spirit of God, and He does, comfort us, advocate for us, encourage us through the work of convicting human hearts, doing for us a work which we cannot do in the hearts of those that we love, the hearts of those to whom we witness, then let us learn more and more to trust His work in people's lives. Let us learn more and more to pray. Let us learn more and more to depend upon Him as we go and testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. This perspective has caused me to look back on previous experiences in a new light. I was, uh, and I've told this before, but I'll close with this and we'll conclude. I was uh, reminded, Beverly, of a number of years ago when uh, your husband called me from Charleston and shared with me that there was a relative by the name of Jerry a relative of a couple ladies in the church or one of the ladies in the church there in Charleston. And Brother Hatcher shared with me how uh, Jerry was dying of cancer and asked if I could go on behalf of his, uh, the ladies that he pastored there and witness to Jerry. So I was able to get in touch with Jerry, set up an appointment. 
When I got there, Jerry's girlfriend let me in the door, and he was a man at the time in his early 60s dying of, I can't remember if it was colon cancer or uh, pancreatic cancer, but I remember he was a very sick man laying on his bed. And uh, Jerry's girlfriend let me in, and she had one of those yipper dogs that, uh, and I don't want to offend anybody, but doesn't deserve the name dog. Okay. All right. Uh, anyway, it was just beep, beep, beep. Maybe I should have left that part out, okay? But uh, anyway, amen, thank you. Anyway, I was so, I was actually, I, as soon as I saw that, I thought, man, this is going to be a hindrance. That dog is going to yak, 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 yak. By the way, big dogs do that too, but yak, yak, yak. And, uh, but I was so grateful for his girlfriend because she snatched up the dog, took me into the room. She said, here's Jerry. She closed the door, and I never heard another sound for half an hour. And I opened the Bible at the edge of the bed, sat down, and took Jerry through the gospel. And Jerry trusted Christ as Savior. And uh, I'll never forget the peace that came over him. And I'm glad I went when I did. Because I was going to go back two days later and visit him again. And he died. Within 36 hours, he was in the presence of the Lord. Uh, Anyway, when the girlfriend was calling and talking to uh, the relative at the Hatcher's church, uh, she shared something that I didn't find out till much later. And I don't remember if I heard it from your husband or who I heard it from. But um, anyway, the girlfriend snatched up the dog, put the dog outside, and then came back and stood at the door. She shared this with Jerry's relative, stood at the door, and listened through the thin door in the double-wide trailer, listened through the door as Jerry and I talked about the gospel and as I gave the gospel to him. And she testified to Jerry's relative that uh, just in a few days after Jerry uh, had trusted Christ and passed away, testified that she had prayed to receive Christ as well. Okay. And now, here's the amazing thing. If I remember correctly, within a month, the girlfriend had died too. But as I look back on that, as I look back on that, there's only one explanation for the supernatural work that took place that day. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. There is no way that any man could have accomplished what took place that day. And and this understanding of the comforting work of the Spirit of God being how He reproves the world, human hearts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment has caused me to look back on times like that in my life and realize the reason things went the way that they did is because the Spirit of God was doing His job. And I can trust Him. And in that way, He comforts me too. So let us learn more of the Spirit of God as we close the service tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you.